You are listening to the PYD Lab, the podcast for implementers and young leaders who want to examine innovative approaches to positive youth development and hear stories of young people leading change in their communities. This podcast is made possible by the support of the American people through the United States Agency for International Development, or USAID. The content and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of USAID or the United States government. Hey, it's Natasha, and you're in the PYD Lab. Welcome to the latest episode of the PYD Lab. It's March. In the United States, we are celebrating Women's History Month, and internationally, we are gearing up for International Women's Day on March 8th. Today, we are in the presence of an exceptional young woman, Abimbola Ajala, the founder of Lend a Hand Africa, which is based in Lagos, Nigeria. We talk women and embracing equity. We're excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you. Your episode is going to premiere at a great time during International Women's Day in March. And this year, the theme is Embrace Equity. I wanted to start out by defining equity because sometimes I feel like people use the word equity and equality interchangeably, and they're a little different. By textbook definition, Equality means each individual or group of people is given the same resources or opportunities as other groups and people. But equity actually recognizes that each person has different circumstances and allocates the exact resources and opportunities needed to reach an equal outcome. So equity accounts for the gaps, right, that certain groups and underrepresented groups experience. I start there to say that this year's campaign for International Women's Day It asks us to imagine a gender equal world. Keeping on that thread, though, the positive youth development approach, it includes creating enabling environments that includes gender responsive services and policies, services that women need like rent and finance and such. Could you tell us a little bit about the work that you are doing at Lend a Hand Africa and how you are making sure that young women are included? So um, at Lendeyand for the development of Africa, our commitment is to see that children, regardless of age, gender, race, have access to quality education and health support and supplies. Is that we bridge the gap between the education inequality, reduce poverty and illiteracy. But one of the things that has taken a different direction for quite some time now is that we're getting more girls into school. And they should be counted when the time comes. So when we go to a family and they push the boy child to us, we ask, do you have a girl in this house? That's how we operate now. We want to see the girl. This particular girl right now is in a leadership position in school. I can't be more proud. Yeah. Like I feel extremely fulfilled, right? But this is us taking a chance on the girls in our communities. This is us saying they have a voice too, right? We should have more ladies in STEM and tech. We should have more ladies in Mm -hmm. politics. And we cannot get there if their education is deprived. So what we're doing is getting those girls into school. It's giving me an opportunity also to say on global stages that a woman's voice matters. At this moment, there is an imbalance and we need to do something about it because we can't express advancement and the economic greatness that women should bear if we continue like this. It's so true. Another thing that we're doing also is to create access and give access to young girls to have sanitary pads for that time of the month. 
two years ago, I shot a documentary with my team. It's called I Bleed Different. And it just highlights the different challenges of girls in different communities. And it just made me realize the extent that some of these girls are deprived. And it's not just sanitary parts, it's wash facilities. Trying to make sure that we create more wash facilities in communities for those girls and make sure that the access to sanitary pads monthly, it's expensive right now. And in a community where girls and families can't feed up to a dollar a day, getting sanitary products is, is almost like a miracle. So they are using things that are not hygienic, right? Mm-hmm. And that has its own side effects. Do you understand? So we're making sure that these girls have access to sanitary pads. We're in talks with organizations to see that we have wash facilities, access to clean water. And then they are, we're making sure that those gaps in communities that create an avenue for girls to feel left behind are closed where our health is concerned and where our mm. education is concerned. That is so important. It's wonderful. It's amazing. I get excited even just to hear you talk about it. I mean, growing up, you just didn't talk about your period in public. It was like this shameful thing that you weren't allowed to bring up. And so it's nice to see people like yourself doing this work and having these conversations. How were you introduced to this work? How did you get into this? At some point, I felt like because I grew up in the suburb of Lagos, right, that nothing in my life's journey prepared me for it. Mm. However, I grew up and understood that everything in my life's journey prepared me for it. The hunger, the deprivation, not able to pay my school fees, everything prepared me for moments where every time I see a child in slum, I can feel their pulse. Mm. So I officially started well in uni. I just saw that young girls were in there to me. They'll come and ask for like sanitary pads during that time of the month. And I was a student myself. I wasn't getting so much from my parents, but I knew I could feel that they needed it. And I got on with my friends and said, you know what? Give me a dollar and then let's go and get these girls sanitary pads and then have career talks with them. Let them know that they they can go to college. They can go to the university. And then that's how we started. And then I left the uni and I'm like, it just blew up. I realized from 200 girls, we're reaching out to 300, 500. Until date, we've done close to 15,000 girls, giving them sanitary pads and stuff. So for me, it's everything in my life's journey. The moments when I didn't have, those are the moments that also reminded me that I needed to pass the button to somebody else. Let her know that somebody was there for me. I had an aunties mm-hmm. i remember I was in a situation where the auntie i usually go to wasn't around i was in high school then and i said sorry please i just saw my period right now can somebody give me sanitary pads and mm-hmm. then you no know, one of my classmates she added me more than one because she didn't even know that i didn't have throughout mm-hmm. the four or five days she just gave it to me like oh take because i just needed something to get me through the day yeah but she gave get me through that period and when I think of times like that I want to be there I want to be that person for a lot of girls across Africa for a lot of girls across Nigeria for a lot of girls across Lagos where Mm -hmm. I am that auntie I am that friend I am that Mm -hmm. big sister who is getting them access to these things so that's how essentially it started it started with my life's journey being played to me and giving me a reminder and I need to do something about it it's change makers like you that, you know, change the world and make a difference in people's lives. I love that 
you took your own story and saw yourself in another girl. And, and that just went, you know, from one person to, to you helping thousands of young women. So that is just amazing. <laughs> so thank, thank you. <laughs> I love that. Now you have ties to Youth Lead. You're a former Youth Lead ambassador. How did your time as a Youth Lead ambassador aid in the work that you're doing? I had a beautiful time. So I was Youth Lead ambassador and I was peer advisor. So I am family. It's a beautiful community. It's a beautiful family. You get the resources that you need. Every article I needed, I always got online from resource page, you know, I met amazing people, amazing change makers who have the heart that I have. And I feel like that's a blessing. It's not every time you come into a community of genuine people. And I think that that's one of the blessings of youth lead, you know, even as peer advisor, I am still in touch with my ambassadors. These people remind us that you, you are not in an isolated world, especially when it gets lonely as a change maker. So yeah, my time as mm. ambassador is it's not a lonely road for me. We're still friends, you know, we encourage mm. each other when we see each other's work. So I, I want to say that one of the amazing things about being a youth lead ambassador is discussions like this. Mm. One of my, if not my first international um, like webinar was from youth lead. And I saw a lot of people reach out to me afterwards to say, oh, I saw you on youth lead's page. And it made me feel good because you're doing your work in your little environment without getting certain recognition. Youth leads celebrate their own. Mm. Love that for, for us. Like if I do something today, youth lead is on my page saying yeah. something, you know, it's just a beautiful community. So yeah, I, had, I still have a fantastic time. <laughs> and I love that, you know, you and your peers are still connected and you're still supporting one another. Like you said, a network is so important as a change maker and a young leader. We all have days where you feel like, oh my goodness, why did I start doing this work again? Or <laughs> where am I going to find the money to keep this going? And yeah. it's nice to be able to connect with people who understand yeah. what you're going through. So I'm so glad that Youth Lead, you know, has been that community for you. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, you're in a great position to provide perspective because you're a young leader who happens to be a woman, but you're also working with young women. I'm always mystified and blown away to see how younger women are dealing with challenges differently. From your perspective, what are you seeing like the women who are younger than you, are there some things and changes that you're seeing in terms of how they're handling challenges that maybe your generation didn't? I did um, a bit of questionnaire at work to say, what mm. would you tell younger self? Yeah. One of the things when I was answering my part was be more adventurous, right? We, mm. we were very self-conscious. The, the imposter syndrome was in our faces. So we were doing amazing things, but we couldn't talk about it. There are rooms we couldn't enter. These Gen Zs are not taking no for an answer. They are breaking <laughs> all the ceilings. You tell them no. They say, okay. They come with an army and give you a yes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> They are very adventurous. They make their mistakes, but they are learning as they go. They are evolving better, you know? And I feel like those things, I'm learning from it, but in failing, we're failing forward. And I like that word mm. because when you're failing forward is... I have realized my mistake. I'm not doing this again. So my step is ordered forward, right? I'm not mm -hmm. moving back where I was yesterday. I've learned from it. So I love that spirit. 
they're taking those risks. So those things just remind us that in the world where there is diversity, right, it's also an opportunity to put your ears down and see how you can also, you know, navigate better because things are evolving. They are more technological advanced and we're in yeah. a digital space now. So somebody just takes his phone or a tripod and goes somewhere, gives a good narration, and then the world has seen it. They're using the digital space better. Yeah. So those are things that I feel like there that is helping them thrive, right? Mm. I hear that. One of the things that I really love about the younger generation of women and, you know, the digital space is that the internet allows you to have a little bit more control. Like you were saying, I, this is something I want to advocate for, something I care about. Now, if somebody doesn't give me a seat at the table, I could go build my own table, right? When it comes to change, and like we were talking about education, because a lot of the work that you do at Lend a Hand is around education. We know that change sometimes requires a different type of education because you may need to educate policymakers or government or leaders on why current policies aren't equitable why the current standards or social norms aren't working for everyone and the effect that they have on the community and on people. When you're trying to evoke change and carry forward Lend a Hand's mission, who is your messaging aimed at? And how receptive have they been to your message? Our first point of call usually is community leaders. And in Nigeria, they call them ballet. So we talk to people like that. We talk to religious organizations. They help mm. us a lot. They give us this information that can help us carry out our duties properly. So I like this question because it's also, for me, it's also very instructive to other change makers, especially if you're doing stuff at the grassroots, you cannot just mm. take your team there. And also these people also tell us what exactly the community needs, right? Let's get more children in this community into school. Let's have a monthly food supplies, right, mm -hmm. to reduce the hunger situation. So when you speak to people like that, they let you know the pros and cons. You can go ahead and do it, right? Yeah. But what will happen afterwards? So yeah, talking to community leaders, religious bodies, or community champions, you know, is our yeah. first call so that we can properly give an holistic solution to whatever we have come there to do. Remember, as a change maker, it's not your solution to the community. It's the community to you. That's great. Yeah. Locally led solutions because they are yeah. already tapped into the community and to the families and their needs. Like yeah. you said, how about parents? A lot of these parents, we talked a little bit before about equity and gaps. They have their own needs. They may be raising their children in poverty. They're dealing yeah. with their own needs, employment. And you talked a little bit before about going into homes and they're like, well, here are our sons. And you're like, well, do you have any daughters? What has been your experience in terms of, you know, when you want to reach out and work with some of these children, how receptive have their parents been? So I believe that we, what we do also borders on trust. Children are very delicate. Some people have had bad experiences, right? So I deal with children and I understand that parents, regardless of whatever bias they have, mm. need to trust me. Yeah. Need to trust my organization. So we have policies, volunteers, code of conduct. We have the girl-child policies that we are able to show to these people to say, you know, we're not endangering your child. Also, one of the things that help the parents see things over the years differently is when they look at me and I can share where I'm coming from and where I am now, makes them feel like, 
okay, she's one of us. Let's do this with her. So I've not experienced as much resistance from parents. There is the joy that comes mm. from us. She sees the efforts. Oh, we're not just taking the child and sending her to just any out school. We're, we're doing the diligence to take her child to a school that she can be proud of. Those things also matter because when I do that for Lady A, when I want to do something for Lady C, Lady mm-hmm. A can already tell Lady C, oh, I trust her. So putting those things in place, we're trying to build an organization that has a culture, right? And that culture yeah. is what we project in the community. So the resistance isn't much. Just building that trust um, over the years and being consistent has mm. helped our relationship with parents. We don't come today and leave tomorrow. So they see us, they can ask us questions. At the end of six months, we have a town hall meeting where the parents and the children are and everybody come and lay your grievances if you have them. So those interactions build the trust, build the community for us. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, the fact that now your organization's name, you already have a rapport in the community. We talked a little bit about, you know, you working with locally led organizations. How can the private sector help with equity in your community? I feel like there's the role of the nonprofit, there's the role of the government, but there's also the role of the private sector. Mm-hmm. And the earlier that we all recognize that it's a chain and we can't do without each other, the better for us. We're able to make consistent changes in our world. We aren't doing anything for our personal gratification. The private sector should begin to look for nonprofits they can trust and make them their CSL partners. Organizations, when you have your footprint in certain communities, try and do something in that community. Private sector need to understand that in their profits, they need to do something in the community. And it's important that we hold our hands together for the world that we want to see. So yes, there's a part for them to play and then we can help you achieve better results. So things like that. Absolutely. And that's the way to go. I always tell founders that if you're looking to get help from a private sector company, whether it's money or you're looking for volunteers or whatever it is, don't approach them from the angle of like, this is my organization and this is what we're doing. This is why we're amazing and you should be a part of it. Meet with them and ask them what their community-based needs are. Usually every really established organization has some like, you know, we want to do this in our community or we want to contribute this way for this fiscal year. It's about finding out about what their needs are and how you guys can kind of meet them together potentially. So great advice. In light of International Women's Day, I wanted to ask you to complete this sentence. The world truly embracing equity looks like It looks like a world where girls and women have equal opportunities to thrive and live their dreams. I love that. Let's get into your PYD recommendations. So this is the part of the show where our guests give three recommendations for our listeners. The P stands for published. It could be a published reading source that you recommend on a youth development related topic. Y stands for youth a resource or project that you know of, and it could be authored or led by a young leader that you want others to know about and why. And D, my favorite one, stands for disrupt, a disruptive innovative idea or project or resource that does or will tackle a youth-related challenge. Let's start with P. What do you have for published? That's this book, and I like it because it's Women's Month, and it's important that women have financial power. It's called Smart Money Woman by RSA. 
and I think it's extremely powerful because I meet women every time and if they don't have a skill or a particular technical know-how, it looks like they're deprived. When they do have a skill, right, able to put that money into perspective, know what to save, know mm. what to spend, know what to give. Because sometimes women, we also have this savior mentality. We want to help mm. all our extended families and then there is nothing to save. There is nothing to invest in. The book is holistic. It reminds women to take care of themselves, right? It's okay to be able to balance it or go to the spa. Don't be afraid to get into that boss position at work. It's just a powerful book for women, for young girls. For me, I would recommend that book. It's such a powerful book by an amazing Nigerian. Yeah. And you made such a great point about giving because I think as women too, if somebody asks you, your neighbor, your relative, can I have, can I borrow? We tend to give, right? We want to lend a hand. And the best advice somebody ever gave me is if somebody asks you for something, if you need it back, then you really don't have it to give. And I was like, I never thought about that that way. <laughs> great, great point. Um, Let's get into you. What do you have for youth? So for youth, I was going to be biased and say, yeah, my projects. Yeah. <laughs> Everything we do at Lendeyant, but yeah, yeah I- I'm willing to share the spotlight. So um, I read this book, Power Girls by Adebola Williams, right? Mm. And she speaks to the little, the big me, the emerging me, the evolving mm. me. So representation is important. That book is a collation of stories of women from around the world who are just showing us that we can break that ceiling. I believe that that book is a representation of what women who can be, can see right now. The book for me is a becoming book of different women that we can learn from. Because as youth also, you don't have that representation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're lost. But when I read the book and I saw women who, okay, to talk about their mistakes, so it's not an issue of pride. It's an issue of me knowing that I am standing on the other side, but mm. getting more women close to me. So I, I love the book. It's such a powerful book. And maybe that's why I'm biased about my project because it also helps everything that we do with Let Down. Mm-hmm. They see me. In fact, some write me letters and say, I want to be like you. I'm like, you're going to be better than me. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that representation is important. I love that. And representation is super important. It's powerful when you're a little girl and you look up and you see another woman who looks like you. And lastly, what do you have for D, Disrupt? I think this is very important because the way the world is moving, right? We don't want to play catch up in our work, but we have to make sure that we have the knowledge and the technical know-how for the advancements that we want to see. So two things come to mind. So the first one is something I saw in the news this week. Rwanda deploys drones to deliver needs to diabetic patients' doorstep, right? So they use drones to send mm-hmm. medicines oh, to wow. people in communities. Yes. So, and that's patients with diabetes and things. And as I sat down to think about it and watch and read the interviews, but one of the things I also want to address with this very quickly is unemployment, right? Mm. The surge in unemployment in Africa with, and then with women is a lot worse. So how can we use AI? How can we use tools like that to create employment, match skill with an employer? 
these are things that I'm looking at to make sure that we reduce the surge of unemployment mm. and then the healthcare sector that more people can have access to health supplies and support because of technology. That is so cool. And it's super exciting. So I, I love this one. <laughs> Thank you. That was a really great one. It has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> Where can people go to learn more about Lend a Hand Africa and the work that you're doing? So you can go on our website. It's www.laafrica.com. It's L-A-H-A-F-R-I-C-A. So go on our website on our social media handles is Lendian Africa. And then you can get all the amazing projects that we were doing. If you want to send an email, it's laafrica at gmail.com. Abimbola, thank you so much for joining us today and just sharing your wisdom and your gems and all of the things that you're working on. It's super important. Thank you, Natasha. I had a fantastic conversation. Trust me. It felt like I was speaking to my sister from my heart. Again. Thank you, Evan Bola. It was a true pleasure to have you on the show today. Now we're going to get into our three resources. If you didn't attend Tipping Point, a workshop with resources for gender transformative change, you can now catch it on replay. Hosted by the YP2LE Gender COP, implementers can learn how the tools shared support gender transformative programming. You'll get examples of questions to ask while designing norm-changing activities and discover the components of norms shifting interventions. For our second resource, we have to share the mini documentary titled, I Bleed Different. Produced by Abimbola, it tells the stories of women and girls in underserved communities and their period experience. It's personal, it's raw, it's informative. And last but not least is our starter kit, Safe Spaces for Girls. Here you will find 16 resources aimed at NGOs, businesses, and individuals to create, improve, and promote spaces where young women and girls can thrive. Access to the starter kit, as well as the other resources mentioned in today's episode, can be found at youthpower.org backslash the PYD lab. Until next time, I'm Natasha, and you've been in the PYD lab.